Hello and welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Panchito Ojeda, and joining with me is John Murray, the 101 Lacrosse Northern California Director, and Jeremy Bonner, a former slinger at Casa Grande High School and a self-proclaimed D Mitty, who in his words, needs no slide. How are we doing today, fellas? Good. Good. Feeling good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, in our first episode, we don't want to get a stall warning. So we're going to get right to the action. And uh, today we're talking PLL. That's Premier Lacrosse League for you newbies out there. Um, Hey, which, by the way, if you haven't watched the game yet or you want to catch up on your PLL stuff, the 2019 games are still free on NBC Sports. So go check them out. We all know you have literally nothing better to do as you already binged Tiger King and Ozark. Great shows, by the way. But uh, now it's time to focus back on lacrosse. So, fellas, uh, before we get started, how are you guys doing during this COVID-19 quarantine? Trying to keep busy right now. Uh, watching a lot of cross. We've got a lot of stuff in the works at 101. Uh, to Hopefully we got this summer ready to go. So just head to the um, – and ready to roll very similar for me it's like i'm very busy but not busy at the exact same time uh just trying to get through the days get through the days stuck in my room stuck in the house it it, it is busy when you're walking from your your room to your to your couch that does create quite the stress levels Uh, i was just talking to one of my friends a couple days ago it's uh bed to desk every day bed to desk Bed to desk. There we go. And is that a is that a six foot walk or a ten foot walk? It's less than less than four feet. There you go. It's right there. there. You <laughs> so you literally are, are you still lying in bed while doing this podcast? Is the very yes, sir. I am. <laughs> yes, um, sir. I am. All right, fellas. So hey, let's talk PLL lacrosse. So for this is our first uh, inaugural episode. Uh, so we're gonna go preview each team and. Uh, get some some takes from these young men about what they think that PLL is going to look like this summer. Uh, you may be thinking to yourself, why PLL? Why not MLL? Uh, let's face it, the PLL has got all the best players in it right now. The game's more exciting. Game's faster. Game's better. Uh, no, no disrespect to Major League Lacrosse, but we're big PLL fans here, and so we wanted to kind of focus in on that group. So with that, we'll start in alphabetical order because there is Can no favoritism. Can Oh, yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. In all due respect to the MLL, I want to know how long do you guys think it will last since the creation or the starting of the PLL? How many more years do you think the MLL will go? As two oh. side-by-side leagues, knowing that uh, how many players within the last two years have transferred over from one to the other, and with the amount of seniors that are coming out of college, do you think they'll be able to have two at the exact same time, or it's eventually just going to kind of come no, together? Long, long term, there's there's two options on the table. One is a merger, and two is uh, is one of those leagues is going to fold. So, uh, yeah. you know, PLL got to ride the shiny coin uh, thing last year, uh, last summer, because obviously they're new. But now they're both facing two things. One is that neither is the shiny coin anymore, and two – the uh, this COVID-19 is going to present some definitive challenges of what, how much money do they have in their bank account to kind of get through that. The last aspect I'll say that leads me to believe the PLL is going to be the one that comes out on top 
is their social media presence uh, with RJ and just and Rabel are off the charts. If any any of us can learn one thing from those guys, it's how to run a social media platform. So I think they're going to be pretty well connected in with the, the younger group coming up. And I think they'll be the ones that kind of withstand that. Yeah, the availability and exposure of these PLL guys are getting compared to MLL. It's uh, night and day. It's so much easier to find PLL games, PLL highlights, PLL content, than it is MLL at this point. All right. Sounds Jeremy's in the corner right there. He's just thinking about how Major League Lacrosse is going to win this thing. <laughs> no, no, it's it's sad, sad to think about, but I know it's gonna, it's not gonna last. Change is inevitable. And speaking of change, let's change gears here and let's focus in on the PLL teams. And we're gonna go alphabetical order. As I was saying earlier, we have no favoritism here. Each of us have our favorite teams, but we are a completely unbiased podcast who will say completely biased things. So let's start from the top here with the archers. Uh, I'm going to give a little introduction on some of the top players. And we're going to start with the offensive side of the ball because scoring goals is always better than stopping them. Uh, so we got Tommy Schreiber, widely regarded as the best midfielder in the game. Uh, and then on the attack side, we have Will Manny and Marcus Holman. Um, Manny and Holman were number one and number two in assisted goals scored, and Schreiber is number one in assisted opportunities. Fellas, what are we looking at? Uh, let's, let's start with John here. What are we looking at offensive setup with the Archers? How do we feel about them so, going into 2020? Yeah, you named their, their big three. Definitely generated the, the highest scoring big three of any uh, team out there. So it's just filling in those, those other three spots. Uh, Christian Cuccinello was a big addition to their uh, team later in the season, but he was picked up by the water dogs in the expansion draft. So it's really going to be figuring out how to figure out three more guys to produce. Cause you know, Schreiber and Manny and Holman are going to bring it every night. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like those three guys are studs, you know, uh, Jeremy, who do you see as the, the fourth guy that steps up in, in, in their stead to, kind of lead them to victory, if you will. You know, last year, Ryan Ambler was was huge when uh, Shriver went down uh, in the playoff game. Is it going to be Ambler or is it going to be somebody else? Um, that's a tough question. The thing that I really personally enjoy about the way that Tom Shriver plays is that he has the ability throughout his ball movement and his use of field positioning to kind of include anybody that they have out there so long as they can, they can catch and shoot really. Um, having Joey Sankey, not a hundred percent sure if he's still on the team or if he's moved to the water dogs, he's a great uh, kind of inside finisher. Cause he's so, he's such a small guy. And then using uh that kind of chemistry with Tom Schreiber, it'd be great for him, for them to be able to really move the ball, get it inside, and then just dump it on goalies before they can even see him coming. Yeah, saying he's a stud. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we think obviously their offense will be good. And obviously the big three are, are big names. Sankey, Ambler, a couple of guys are going to need to step up. Uh, moving to the defensive half of the field, we have uh, Scott Rapplet, Ratliff, Leading the charge of LSM, he's an animal in between the lines. Uh, and then you have Mike McMahon and Jackson Place. 
you know, what do we think about their defense uh, personnel-wise? Are they going to be able to match up? You know, how do they look this year, Jeremy? What, do you thought, what are your thoughts? Uh, personally, I'm going to be honest. I actually don't know a crazy amount about their defense. I more tend to look at offensive players, but based on what I know about Scott Ratliff, I used to watch him play when he played for uh, the MLL. Can't remember exactly what team he he was on. He's a fun, fun player to watch just because of how confident he is uh, playing offense with that long pull and really moving the ball and pushing transition with his great teammates. The rest of the defense, I don't want to try and say anything because I'm not 100% educated on uh, where they're from or how they play and stuff like that. John, what do you think about the Archers D? Yeah, I think uh, Matt McMahon definitely had a breakout year last year on the Archers. Um, He turned out to be one of the premier defenders in the league uh, in his mic'd up games were always fun to watch. Uh, I think Dominique Alexander on the D midfield was also another one in that kind of light where he stepped into a bigger role. Um, and he was also just a clown on the mic. Up. This, this might be one of the best def- defensive uh, mic'd up units in the PLL. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, McMahon's a beast. And I love Ratliff and how he plays. Yeah. So I feel like if Jackson Place comes back healthy – Alexander continues to grow. You know, they're just going to need to fill in those four and five, four, five, six spots, really. Maybe only, maybe only five and six to be a, a legit top-level defense. Um, and speaking of one of the key spots on defense, we had Drew Adams and Adam Gittleman in goal. They split time. Adams finished as one of the top goalies in the PLL, whereas Gittleman did not. Um, you know, Gittleman started the games. Adams closed them out. Do we think that they're going to stick with this splitting the time at goalie? I think they continue to do it. Uh, I mean, they're two consistent pro goalies that have been in this game forever um, and had a ton of success in college. So you really can't go wrong with either of them. And it's it's just up to the coaches. Personally, like I always play the hot hand. Like if a goalie's feeling it in the first half, let them ride it in the second. But, you know, it's up to uh, the coach there to decide what to do. 100%. So – Hot questions we have for the Archers. Big two big questions. The first is, uh, is Pat Spencer going to play? Jeremy, you think he's going to come out and play, or you think he's not coming out this summer? I definitely, definitely have been thinking about it. I I want to say he will, but it's kind of hard with this whole college eligibility, one extra year, all those things. I know he's not technically a spring athlete, but. It's weird. I think he definitely, definitely might. Definitely might. Way to commit to uh, one definitely side or another. That, uh, <laughs> that is right there on the fence. Must be hurting. Uh, well, it's, it's hard for me to kind of have an opinion because um, I noticed once he started with basketball, he kind of just really disappeared for a while. And then all of a sudden he was just out there as this basketball player that was absolutely shredding the game. And he wasn't even really talked about very much as a lacrosse player for a little while, yeah. which is why it's uh, interesting for me. It That's, is. I don't know if that it makes is. sense. Am I, am I, I might just be crazy. <laughs> no, I think his, his quietness was definitely a thing uh, from the lacrosse world. You know, 
John, you, I know you're a big Pat Spencer fan. What are your thoughts? Huge. I, I really hope he comes out um, to see him play on the pro level with that exposure uh, would be awesome to see. And I think, I don't think there's a more perfect piece to fit into that offense with Schreiber, uh, Holman, and Manny. Like, he just fits perfectly into that attack lineup, takes some of the dodging pressure off of Schreiber and that creative pressure. And I've, I mean, they're my number one team if he suits up for them this summer. So I'd, I'd love to see that. Yeah, it'd be fun to see him play in the pairs offense. But moving on to off of that, you know, more importantly, the question I think that plagued the Archers this past year was, uh, you know, can they win faceoffs? You know, are they gonna are they gonna have a way to win faceoffs and be uh, more 50-50 at the dot as opposed to you know 60-40 or 40-60 rather or 30-70? What do you think, John? Yeah, so Stephen Kelly took the majority of their faceoffs at 49%. Uh, so if they can get that up, get someone over 50 where they're winning more than they're losing, uh, the more you can give the ball to the best, one of the best players in the game, uh, it's definitely a good thing for them. Yeah, so moving right along to the Atlas, which features the uh, Premier League co-founder Paul Rabel on it. Uh, as well as some other huge names in Connor Music, Ryan Brown, and Rob Pinnell. Uh, you know, just a couple quick stats here. Rabel and Eric Law were number nine and number seven in assist opportunities. And Ryan Brown was number three in assisted goals. Jeremy, what do you think of the Atlas's offense this year? Uh, I very, very much enjoy the as soon as you get the ball, you're finding a shot kind of idea that they have with uh, Paul Rabel and Pat Young being able to really move the ball and then having players like Ryan Brown and uh, Eric Law do catch the ball and absolutely let it go to a perfect corner is uh, something that I really enjoy watching on their offense as well as Trevor Baptiste on the X being able to push them the ball in transition and get as many scoring opportunities as possible through possessions. Yeah, the the Atlas style of offense is is very fun. It's a little, it, I found it to be a little interesting at times. It definitely looks a little bit like their the ball would stick in one stick for a while. Uh, but with that said, like they have the type of guys that are definitely get their own shot type of guys. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they balance the Pinnell, Rabel, Busek load, as all three of those guys like to carry the ball in their stick quite a bit. Um, so, you know, thinking about their offense, let's wrap up their offense and talk about their defense. Uh, John, you know, what are your thoughts? Think their offense is going to be better or worse than last year? I, I don't see uh, offense like is Rob Pinnell getting worse. Uh, he's definitely one of the top five attackmen in the game, especially when he's got his probably favorite, probably the best off-ball shooter in the game. Ryan Brown, I don't think anyone's arguing with that. Um, and the space he creates off ball just lets Rob Pinnell do Rob Pinnell things. Okay, moving on to their defense. They got Tucker, they're led a defense by Tucker Durkin, Kyle Hartzell. Uh, in goal, they have Jack and Cannon. You know, Duck, Durkin and Hartzell are, are vets, been around forever. Um, King Cannon's a, a young buck, um, but certainly played outstanding in goal. Had some, probably some of the best saves you'll ever see um, in the pro game. John, how do you see that defense stacking up? Uh, considering last year they were very inconsistent. 
I think it's going to be an improvement. I think Cade Van Rappers was probably the best rookie defender uh, last year. Made an immediate impact. Ended up leading their team and caused turnovers. Uh, so another year for him would be great. They also have the best def- defensive weapon, Trevor Baptiste. This best defense is just not letting them get the ball. Uh, so that <laughs> definitely helps. Um, and Con Cannon was huge in net last year. Uh, so I think their defense will improve. I agree. Jeremy, what do you think of Jack and Cannon in the cage? Do you think he's uh, going to take that step forward and be an all-pro goalie? Or will he be, um, you know, I guess he's still really good. So it's like just really good. Or will he be a all pro? <laughs> I definitely think he has potential to be a phenomenal, phenomenal um, first number one tier goalie in the PLL. He's absolutely fantastic in cage and he does a great job really attempting to command the defense, even though sometimes they do fall off and they do become a little bit more inconsistent. Like you had mentioned earlier. Um, as for stopping shots, I think he's, absolutely insane he gets in front of all of them and his his hands are surprisingly very fast for his large body frame i will say yeah can cannon's a a beast um unbelievable so big question for the atlas is going to be uh you know can they live up to expectations you know obviously with rabel and baptiste and Pinal. uh and i think you said this john in our appreciative meeting you know they got a lot of 2018 uh, Team USA on the squad, you know, I think I have to imagine that their expectations, at least internally, are probably championship or bust, right? Yeah, I think that's where it's at right now. I know last year they had a a high expectation. A lot of people were really high on the Atlas. They had a ton of name recognition. Um, and I, I don't think they produced what they wanted to, but I think expectations are a little higher, especially with adding Rob Pinnell to that offense. Uh, yeah, it's going to definitely be championship or bust for Atlas this year. All right, moving right along to the, the chaos, or also known as the bomb squad, uh, led by head coach Andy Towers. Actually, before we move to the chaos, real quick, let's loop back here. Quick thing for the Atlas that we didn't make a note of here and we probably should address real quick is, Big coaching change from uh, Coach John Paul, who used to be the head coach at University of Michigan, uh, both in their club and Division One days, and then uh, to now Ben Rubior, uh, who coaches at Loyola Blakefield. Do we think that Rubior gives him a bump? I mean, I was a huge John Paul fan. I think he's an incredible coach, knows how to build relationships, build men, and I think that he was awesome. But – do we think Rubio gives him a little bit of a bump to be even better next year? I think, and I don't know too much about it, but listening to uh, Paul Rabel talk about him on his podcast, it seems like there's a lot of respect for Ben Rubio. He seemed like kind of a, a nut and the guys like him. Uh, and I think that's uh, definitely a plus for a coach. If you have a coach you just respect and you haven't even you know, played under him, that that helps. All right, right on. So let's talk chaos. So chaos is uh, led an offense by the one only best player who can play with no knees, Connor Fields, uh, and then also attack Josh Byrne. He's got the big trade with uh, Sergio Salcedo coming over from the Redwoods, um, and they gave up Miles Jones, and they also have Jake Fercaro. Uh, no doubt about it, Fercaro came on strong towards the end of the year. 
I think when uh, when their offense was a little bit struggle bus, uh, Picaro stepped in and got a bunch of big goals. But I think for unless unless Coach Towers has got a bunch of changes on on the deck, um, this offense runs through Connor Field. So, so Jeremy, do you think that Connor Fields is going to create the same amount of chaos that he created in 2019? I honestly, with the acquisition of Sergio Salcedo, I think it'll be worse. Just because now they have so many players that can absolutely launch the ball from behind the arc. I uh, I don't know if you guys remember when Sergio Salcedo was back in college at Syracuse, he was actually their deep shooter and he could absolutely fire a ball. It was so much fun to watch and it was such uh such a cool thing to see someone do with a short stick and then seeing how um they'll be able to draw slides and look for those really really long passes the defense may not be ready for to get it up to even one of their poles in transition. It's definitely something to look out for along with Miles Thompson and Deemer class who can just just destroy people. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting point. I think it's a I think you're probably right though that there's there's a probably a bit of a concern about guys just standing out there waiting to drop that two point bomb. John, what do you think about that with, with Fields and the way he plays? Um you had some yeah. stats that you noticed. Yeah, so um, Fields was the number one unassisted goal scorer last year. So he's able to create his own shot whenever he wants. Uh, and he was also number three in assist opportunities. So he is good creating those shots for his teammates, but his teammates only shot 23, only scored on 23% of his passes, which compared to Matt Rambo, who had a 44% shot percentage off passes. So like his assist numbers could skyrocket next year if his teammates start hitting those shots. Uh, my con big concern with the chaos is who's going to create besides Connor Fields. So I felt like we talked about that before where it just seemed like at the end of the year it was give Connor the ball and that's our offense. So I, I really need to see some other guys step up for the creative part because um, it, it can't run through one person. Yeah, that can always be a big problem. So, you know, I think uh, that that's where the defense comes in. You know, you, sometimes your best offense is a good defense. Um, they can they can cause turnovers and create that that chaos that the, the chaos thrived on so much under Towers, um, you know. And they have a defense; they have probably the best long pole, at least uh, athletically in the in the world right now. And Jared Newman, and then they also have an incredibly disciplined uh, pole who's also a great lacrosse player in Brian Reese. What do we think of their defense, John? You think they're going to be able to be as successful in creating those turnovers and those transition opportunities? I think they're going to have to. Uh, that was a big part of their um, offense last year was their pulls and transition, you know, bomb squad. Uh, but they also have some pretty good D-mids. Um, Mark Lincini might be the craziest person in the PLL. The <laughs> amount of times that dude jumped in front of a shot <laughs> is yeah. just crazy. Don't rub it. Don't rub it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, – Defensively, it's going to be tough. They lost uh, McClancy to the expansion draft for team midi. He's a solid two-way midi. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how they improve. All right, perhaps the biggest battle of all on this entire team is you and they now have two animals in goal with Blaze Reardon and Dylan Ward. 
I mean, do we even think Blaze Rudin's going to play goalie or is he just going to go play attack because he's also a stud at that? Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, Dylan Ward, uh, and again, we t- I talk about that world championship. Uh, he was the all-world goalie for the 2018 world championships, Dylan Ward, for Team Canada. Um, he is a stud in the net. So that is a really tough, tough battle. But like you said, Blaze Reardon might be the low-key one of the best all-around lacrosse players in the world. Um, he might be that offensive weapon about. that they need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's going to be interesting to see what you got. 100%. So let's, let's talk about the, the big question facing them. Can they get the championship Sunday? Jeremy, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a little bit too early to make that prediction. I think by week one, maybe even week two, we'll be able to kind of get gauge a better situation for them. But as of right now, I'm going to go with no. Just yeah, because I'm gonna, I want to see – I'm going to agree with that. I want to see how this uh, – I don't not newer, but almost newer with the uh, gaining and losing of, of different players and of different important players from their roster, how they can cope with it and see if they can come together as a team. All right. Well, I'm going to disagree with both you guys. I think they do make it this year. Uh, I love the <laughs> Dylan Ward ad. I think he is a absolute animal in the cage. I think Blaze Reardon is going to come out and play a little bit of offense for them. And I do believe that he and Connor Fields create a lefty problem. Uh, for every team facing them because it's probably two of the best lefties in the game. But that could be totally wrong, and who knows, maybe Blazers are going to be starting for them. I have one one hot question for you guys. Do you think the Chaos might try and commit a little bit more to the bomb squad title that they have and try and take more two-point shots, or do you think they're going to focus on a smaller uh, 6v6 short stick-based offense? No. So – I really think uh, the analytics part of the PLL is going to be interesting for the next year with the two-point shot coming in. Uh, it's I, I really like the analytics with sports. I really think it changed uh, baseball, basketball, um, and hopefully we could see it change uh, lacrosse to the better. So if they take advantage of this and realize they got some guys who could stretch to the field, I think they would definitely continue. Because uh, two 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 points is more than one, so that's that's a big thing to remember. Are you were you a math major in college? Yeah. Well, it took the MBA like forty years to discover that three is worth more than two. So even if you're shooting, yeah, so it's you know the all the percentage thing with the analytics. Um, so like shooting thirty, so Jared Newman shot thirty five percent from two. That's equivalent to what shooting sixty percent from one. So it's it's the, it's those kind of. Analyst, and I did not major in math, um, so I need to leave that to the nerds to figure out. But um, we're going to get where I think we're going to get to the game where you have to take a certain amount of two-point shots in the game, and certain two-point shots will be more valuable than certain one-point shots. So I think they'll hopefully take advantage of that. Yeah, I think if there's one thing I know about Dylan Ward and Blaze Reardon is they both get those saves, and they are quick up the field with the ball. Um, and the, the good thing about them is they're both athletic as well. So uh, I don't know if they're going to commit to it from a six-on-six six offense. I think they're going to keep pressing the tempo and try and find those early two-pointers, and that, I think their team is built around that. And then when they don't have that, they have a couple of good bombers, I think Deemer Class being one of them, who they should focus in on. And, and so I think the two-point arc will be 100% a part of their offense. Um, I don't know that they'll commit to the standing around mentality that could happen. I think that 
they realize that that's not a good idea um, after watching Punter Fields struggle last uh, last playoff run with them. So, uh, but that's a that's a great question, and we'll find out if that's the case. So, uh, let's let's move on to the Chrome. Uh, same alphabetical order thing, not by record because the Chrome was just two and eight. Uh, weirdest two and eight year ever, having only a minus ten goal differential. Um, I'm not sure there if you call that heartbreak or poor coaching or poor playing or what, but man, that was a tough to watch. I thought the team played their guts out every day, um, and certainly I'm a huge Starja fan. You know, lifelong coach of the game, great person, great mentor. So, you know, let's talk about their offense. We got Jordan Wolf, Gutterdin, Karate, Danowski, common theme there. Uh, Duke men's lacrosse. Uh, number one offensive rating last year, and they generated the most points for Max, which is no doubt uh, uh, credit to Jordan Wolf, and then obviously Crowdy uh, and those guys kind of sitting up top. And then uh, Jordan McIntosh, number one off-ball midfielder in the game. Jeremy, what do you think of the Chrome? It was tough to watch them last year, I will say. Not from – an athletic standpoint, they're a phenomenal team, but it seemed like a lot of the time they were just – they were coming up short when they had so many great opportunities. Um, as for their offense, I love watching Jordan Wolf. He's such a sneaky player, and uh, I remember on Miked Up, he was one of the players that was just talking crap the entire time, and everyone was making fun of him because he was so small, so short. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think their offense is going to be great. So, John, let's maybe touch on their offense, but then let's also talk defense. You know, Jesse Bernhardt, Donnie Moss, you know, Chrome. Joel White. Joel White. Chrome's, Chrome had a good defense last year, led in goal by Galloway. Um, and then, obviously, Brett Queener towards the end of the year. I'm not sure who's going to be the starter this year, but, um, you know, what do you think of their defense? think they're going to be able to step up? I mean, I thought they played well last year. Yeah, I mean, I really like the um, – they went defensively focused – in the entry draft, Jesse Bernhardt is a stud all pro defender. Um, Donnie Moss will be a good addition. So I really think um, they're going to improve. I'm really big on the Chrome and touching back on their offense. Uh, you know, the, the analytics of this says they were the best offense in the league last year. Um, they have four of the top 10 unassisted goal scorers, Crotty, Wolf, Gutterding, and Rannigan, who can get, put the ball in the back of the net without needing anyone else. Um, and another stat they just released today, uh, Chrome was number one in ground balls last year. <clears throat> number one in ground balls. Ground balls win games. Didn't for them last year, but they lost a lot of one-goal games that I think are going to be one-goal wins this summer. I mean, there's there's a whole coaching theory around this idea that you have to uh, invest in things that don't win you games to be able to win games. And I will say, like, like them or dislike them, Clearly, the yeah. the way that team played, Starja invested in all the cultural things. And I think that, you know, ground ball is a great way to embody that. And uh, that will pay dividends this year, no matter what. So they will be will be better for sure. And probably will pay dividends for the next, the coming years. Um, but at the faceoff dot, they were led by Connor, uh, Connor Farrell. <clears throat> Is he going to be a one-year wonder, or is he going to be the guy that continues to rise? 
you know, coming from the D2 ranks, he's, he's kind of the un, yeah. the unknown. I, I think with the amount of talent in the PLL, um, and especially at those, like, or goalie and face-off positions where it's really just you're competing against one guy, uh, you're not like a midfield unit or attack unit going against three defenders. Um, to go 54% in the dot against the best face-off guys in the world, um, I don't think would be a fluke. I don't think you'd take – he took 209 face-offs and be able to, you know, call it a one-year wonder. So I'd, I'd be really surprised if he took a step back. Um, I really think he'll be another top face-off guy next year. All right, big question. Jeremy, can the Chrome bounce back? I, I believe so. I do. I think if you look at their first year – and how you were talking about their ground ball percentage. at In that season, they were kind of using ground balls to stay in games, whereas I think this year they'll really be able to take those ground balls and push transition and be able to really use their offensive scores and put the ball in the back of the net and score points off of every single ground ball that they win. I have faith that they're going to be a pretty, good, pretty uh, dominant team this summer on the ground. I agree. Guys that come from Duke are not losers. They win games. So I think Crotty, Gutterding, Wolf, they're leaders who are going to lead those guys to Ws. Uh, moving on to the Redwoods. Uh, made the championship game after a weird year. Uh, very up and down. Uh, looked like they weren't going to be in the playoffs, and then somehow they miraculously got in on goal differential. They have the most dynamic offense probably in the in the league with uh, Miles Jones, Jules Henningberg, Robert Garnsey, Matt Cavanaugh, Joe Walters, Kyle Harrison, all do different things, all do them really well. Uh, some interesting stats here that were noted by John Sergio Perkovic, 0-14 from two-point range. Um, that's something that probably has to change. Um, number uh, Joe Walters, number 10 in assist opportunities, and Jules Henningberg was number four in assisted goals. It, it, you know, John, what do you, what do you see from Redwoods offense? I see um... – Jules definitely being one of the top uh, finishers in the game. Uh, so they just got to find a way to get him the ball. Um, Joe Walters isn't getting any younger. So I think one of those young Notre Dame attackmen got to step up um, and they're creating. Uh, but they could really be dynamic. I think uh, Miles Jones definitely stretches the field for them and allows uh, that attack trio to work. Um, so I'm interested to see how he fits into this offense. And him and Sergio Perkovic might be the two biggest midfielders in the game. <laughs> well, the uh, the twin towers, the, the, the twin towers uh, minus the Danny DeVito is is never a bad thing to have. <laughs> so uh, you know, moving to the defensive end, uh, we could list off a bunch of names, but it doesn't really matter. It's uh, you could call it Notre Dame D, you can call it the Jerry Byrne Fan Club, you can call it the uh, whatever you want. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think of this defense? Think they're going to be as stout as they were in uh, last year, or are they going to take a step back? I think they're they're definitely going to be a strong, strong unit this season. Uh, just because the the coaching that they have is absolutely fantastic in always trying to get better, never just being being comfortable where they are, and they're a very Honestly, a, they're a beast of a unit with some large, large men that know how to play great body positioning defense. I mean, I know all all do, all um, professional defenders do, but 
something about the way that they do it. They work as a team and they really communicate to get the ball when they need to. Yeah, the old adage, whenever you play Notre Dame, the crease always looks open, but it's actually never open. Um, I just want you to think it's open. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but then they also had a great goalie, Tim Trotner from High Point. You know, Coach Torpy got that guy in some late recruiting, and he ended up being one of the best goalies in, the, in college across and then carried that right into the summer. He was a stud. But I think the bigger question is, you know, Greg Garanian is retired again, and so now you have Jerry Raganese probably the – well. I would assume the next guy to step up at the faceoff dot, you know, John, do you see, uh, do you see any drop off there? Or do you think like, think Jerry's going to be right on top of it? Or what do you see? You Redwoods are definitely hoping Jerry's going to be on top of it. Um, it's going to be tough. I'm looking at the stats right now. He only took 20 faceoffs last summer, uh, one, six of them. Uh, so they're definitely going to hope for better production. I think those numbers will go up the more he takes. Uh, so, We'll see. I mean, he's he's part of the Faceoff Academy with Greg Grellian. He's consistently, you know, pushing what the faceoff um, positioning can do. Uh, so we'll see. I'm, I mean, a huge Jerry fan. He came out to NorCal, helped us out, ran one of our Faceoff Academy clinics. So definitely room for him this summer. Yeah. And before we go any further, let's say a big thank you to to Jerry Raganese. He runs uh, Pro Athletics, and they have stepped up and are making masks during this time when. Uh, our healthcare workers and people need them most. And, uh, you know, if you can go support those guys, I think it's proathletics.com. Uh, but that guy's doing a great service to this country and yeah, uh, good dude. putting, yeah, putting, putting everyone else in front of himself. And uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, so big question facing the Redwoods is, can they ride their playoff success from last year into the regular season? Jamie, what do you think? I think they, they will. With the addition of Miles Jones, um, I think it'll be a fantastic way for them to have kind of a nice mix of younger players with older players, having Joe Walters and Kyle Harrison in the locker room, as well as having uh, Miles Jones, Sergio um, uh, Sergio Perkovic, and Matt Cavanaugh in the locker room to really be able to come together as a team and keep pushing and and, uh, maybe take it to another one. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I also think they have a coach who leads the right way uh, in Nat St. Laurent. He has the right that right background for kind of molding a group into a team. And I think that's one of the reasons why they struggled throughout the year is he, he the, kind of like the Starger approach, you know, like build the cultural stuff first. Um, and it just took them a little longer to get to get their their wheels greased. Uh, moving on to the water dogs. Uh, you know, John, let's talk about these guys. They're brand new, led by Coach Andy Copeland from formerly of Fairfield. Um, mm-hmm. You know, often, you know, we don't know anything about how they're going to play offense, what they're going to do. We know some names that are on their offensive list, and McCardle, Snyder, Kelly, Reeves, Courier, Cuccinello. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with this group? I think they made it clear from the start where their emphasis is, and it's on that uh, two-way midfielders. They snatch up all top two-way midfielders they can with Kyle McClancy, Zach Courier, uh, Drew Snyder, um, Ryan Conrad. Like, these guys can play offense and defense. They don't need to come off the field. So that really helps them in transition. Um, And then offensively, I'm really excited to see what uh, Ben Reeves can do. He kind of played that same spot as Rambo on the Whipsnakes, that lefty dodger. And, I mean, Matt Rambo was the best player in the league last year. 
So obviously he got the ball more, but it's going to be interesting to see Reeves get more touches. Um, Cuccinella was that third attackman on the archers who came in late, played really well. So again, more touches for him. Really going to be interested to see what these guys do uh, with the ball and their sticks more. Well, in, in tying to your, your two-way midfielder theme, one of the interesting things is, is Jeremy, they also drafted Chris Sabia, uh, Brody Merrill, Brian Carolunas, Ryan Reeves on defensive end, all guys who can handle and all guys who want to push. So what do you think of their defense? Um, I, I like it. I think this may be a controversial thought. I was listening to uh, something else that Paul Rabel had put out a couple weeks ago. He and Kyle Hartzell had said, I believe it was Kyle Hartzell had said that they think defensive midfielders might actually be the most important player in the game of lacrosse right now. Uh, what do you guys think about that question really quick? Do you think uh, a defensive midi taking predominantly every single dodge in a game and still having to get up the field with the ball, do you think they are an important player, or do you think it's just kind of another part of a defense? The third most important player in the game. The third? What do you yeah, first off and goalie? Yeah, if you, if you can't win faceoffs and you can't make saves, you can't win games, doesn't matter how good your D-middies are. But assuming you can get to 50-50 at those two spots, uh, your D-midfielders determine whether or not you can play high-level defense or not. Because you have to have D-middies who can be like you, Jeremy, no, no slide needed. <laughs> okay. And then John, do you, as John, for... do you disagree with that? No, I agree. I mean, this isn't um... – you know, high school lacrosse where your D mids are your athletes with zero stick skills. Um, at the pro level, I mean, a lot of guys get their start playing D midi. Uh, Drew Snyder, again, was talking about how he got a start in the pro game playing D mid, and he had to earn his way to get some offensive reps. Uh, so these guys are established um, two-way midfielders. Um, so I'm really excited to see. I'm, I'm very big on the water dogs this summer. As for their uh, transition pressure, like you had mentioned earlier, I think they also, with their attackmen, have a great kind of tic-tac-toe game available to them if they want to use it. They have a lot of uh, they have a lot of players that can kind of catch the ball and get it back to them, uh, give and go kind of situations, or even just push the ball, say down the right side of the field, and then just get it over to that left side and let the attackmen work. I think it's something uh, that they definitely will use and can use in this next coming season. Yeah, so, uh, John, I'll ask you, can Water Dogs make the playoffs in their opening season? Definitely. I, I, I have them in, our, in the playoffs. Boom. You heard it here first, people. Water Dogs making the playoffs. Uh, you think Barstool Sports will be there if they make the playoffs? Just uh... I hope so. I, w I was waiting for uh, <laughs> Big Cat and PFT to – uh, commentate, get in the uh, get in the box, call a game. They have to now. I mean, they named the they named the team. It'd be good. It'd be good to see. So uh, let's let's wrap this up with the you know the defending champs and the uh, and the Whip Snakes, also known as Turp Town, uh, led on offense by Matt Ramo, Mike Chanchuk, Dylan Maltz, Joe Haas. Uh, Jeremy, do you think? Do you think that this offense is going to be as dynamic as it was considering they lost Drenner, Reeves, and Kelly? I do not. 
honestly, I don't think they're going to be as good of a team as they were last year. But at the same time, at the same time, they do have one of the most influential games. I mean, influential players in the game right now in the PLL in Matt Rambo. He's a phenomenal player that can really push the ball when he needs to. And I think he may, he may be able to bring his team with him. But as of right now, I'm going to say no. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. That may just be my opinion. <laughs> no, I mean, it's harder to place those guys. Trainer had three or four game winners. I think Reeves is a – thinks Reeves is like the best player who's unknown right now in the PLL. And obviously Connor Kelly can speak for himself. But kind of defensively, you know, they're led by uh, Michael Earnhardt, uh, uh, Dunn, uh, Bryce Young, and Warner. You know, and then obviously got TJ Kamizu out of Penn State, who plays Villanova. Or Villanova, sorry, yeah, my bad. That still blue. Um, still and then blue. they're led. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure all the Nova grads are not going to be happy with that one. Um, the and then they're led in goal by Kyle Bornlar, who I think is probably the most underrated goalie. In perhaps the world. I mean, the guy is an animal. Um, John, what do you think of their defense? I think they have the best defense in the league. Um, Earnhardt, again, 2018 World Games MVP. Uh, Matt Dunn, Pat Young, just genetic freaks. And then Ty Warner and TJ Camisio might be the best D-Midi, true D-Midi pairings. I mean, these guys play D-Midi in college. Um, and they can also push the ball. I, I really like what they have. With uh, Burn Lauren and Net, I think they're more of a defensive team this year than offense. Yeah, and then uh, and then you got Nardella at the at the dot. You know, Jeremy, how do you feel about Nardella? You think he's gonna be a top three faceoff guy? I think he has potential, but once again, it's he's going against some of the best faceoff middies in the world, and I think it'll definitely come up to a lot more wing play than other teams might need, but I think he has a, a little bit of potential. A lot of bit of potential. A lot of potential. <laughs> a lot of potential. All right. That wraps up our previews of each team. Uh, we went a little longer than we expected. We all got a little excited just talking about these guys. Uh, but, you know, now's the big reveal, the moment where it all matters. Let's talk about uh, our top our top rankings. So we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Jeremy first because uh, when you don't need a slide, you always need to go first. So, Jeremy, tell me, who do you got one to seven for the PLL rankings at the end of the 2020 season? Uh, give me one second. I have to find my find my little document Oof. here. Not prepared. Here we go. I had it right here. I had it right here. So, right now, I have the, the Redwoods at number one. I have... The Water Dogs at number two, Chaos at third, Archers fourth, Atlas fifth, Crone sixth, and Whip Snakes seventh. All right. You have the defending chance finishing last. I like it. That is that is a hot take if I've ever heard one. Uh, John, tell me, what do you got? So, Who's your champ? I, I also have Redwoods number one, Chrome two, number three, Atlas, Water Dogs, Whip Snakes, Archers, with the exception, if they get Pat Spencer, they'll be my number one team. And seven, Chaos. I love it. Both of you have two teams that made playoffs uh, not in next year. 
<laughs> I mean, both of you have the whip snakes who are champions, not in the playoffs this year. It is like the NFL of lacrosse, which bodes well for our game because everyone watches the NFL. Uh, I disagree with both of you. I do not believe the Redwoods will be the champions. I don't have a pick on that, but I think it's going to be between the chaos and the archers for the team that takes the cake. Uh, wow. okay. Let's okay. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, so we're going to be bringing this to you live every week. We'll be recording uh, early in the week, and we will make sure this is posted by Thursday every week. We'll probably get no better rhythm as as we get a better rhythm of doing this. Uh, social media, you can follow us at 101 lacrosse on Twitter or on Instagram at 101 underscore LAX. Uh, Jeremy, anything you want to say to the people before we uh, end this thing? Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope to see you back next week. John, you got, so, you got a shout-out for any of your peeps? <laughs> shout-out my brothers, Danny and Mike. Hopefully they listen. <laughs> Danny and Mike. All right. Uh, we want to say thanks to everyone who listened to the podcast. Uh, if you have some thoughts, tweet us at 101lacrosse uh, on Twitter. We want to hear from you guys. We also want to tell you to be safe. Uh, stay home. Save lives. Do the right stay thing. Stay home. So listen some- to the podcast. Yeah, listen to the podcast. Uh, Otherwise, uh, peace out, everyone.